listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am delighted to be here. Good to be uh, chatting once again. Yeah, good to chat with you as well. Hey. And uh, looking forward, to, uh, we've been recording a lot of episodes, uh, just you and I chatting. You know, I'm sure that... Uh, our listeners are, are keen to get some some alternative voices brought. Could we to hear another that. voice, please? Uh, yeah, like we um, we thought it was good to uh, do that because it uh, helped us get people on the show that agree with us. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, here we go. <laughs> but I, I am I am excited uh, for today's guest. We. Um, We've talked a bit about e-commerce on the show, but uh, you know, I think it's still a very relevant topic, even in 2022. It's still uh, it's still sometimes something net new for manufacturers from a technology perspective, and, and there's a lot of different fig- uh, considerations that have to go into it. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I think a lot of manufacturers are, you know, the, the ones that aren't into e-com, which I would say is the majority, certainly still at this stage. You know, there, there are a lot of open questions. Like, is there a place for us to play there? Um, you know, our, you know, is that is what we sell the kind of thing that customers will buy online? How well, you know, and and I think sometimes we, you know, maybe get trapped a little bit in the in, in the consumer um, uh, mind frame of e-commerce, right? Whereas, of course, in B two B manufacturing. Uh, uh, I, I usually old. I remember the, I'm going to really date myself now. It's going to be like from the '90s or something. But remember, I, who was it? Was it like IBM or something that was, instead of like saying e-commerce or whatever, it was just e-business, which like was. Yeah, I think that was an IBM thing. Was supposed to sound cool or something, and of course it didn't. If IBM did, but but you know, I guess like the uh, there's a gem in that, right? Because it's like you can you can be doing business online, doing commerce electronically but not just uh it always being about a shopping cart experience or what have yeah. you uh, you know they, you know as i'm thinking about like you know uh, uh, digital customer service initiatives and things of that sort yeah yeah there's a lot of that that can be brought to life uh, online for for sure and and you know money can be transacted in in those ways that is not like you say, a traditional shopping cart. So yeah, we're and- getting more and more comfortable, I think, with uh, big numbers in that checkout um, in, in a business context. Absolutely. I love sending digital invoices that are for huge numbers. I don't know about you. <laughs> it is my favorite thing, Jeff says. <laughs> In fact, when we're done with this recording, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> so joining us today is Kurt Anderson. And Kurt is an e-commerce evangelist for manufacturers with B2B Tail. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Kurt. Jeff, Carmen, thank you guys. What an absolute honor, privilege. I've actually been a big fan following you guys for many years. And ironically, I, I, I need to find it. I did a blog post years ago on top uh, talk uh, podcast for manufacturers. And you guys were on that list. And so I've been a, a big fan following you from a distance. And of course, thanks to LinkedIn, we're here today. So I just can't express my thanks and gratitude to you too. 
Curtis, wonderful to have you on the show. I mean, we took an extra minute or two there to introduce you just so we could bask in the glow of uh, us agreeing with ourselves. Um, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but, but it, is, it is lovely to have you on the show. And I do hope that at some point along the way, we will disagree because, of course, that's always the, uh, where, the, where the juice is. But, but in all seriousness, uh, Kurt, if you could maybe uh, uh, introduce our listeners to you a little bit. Who, who are you? What are you up to these days in helping uh, manufacturers go online. Sure. Well, you know, you, you, you threw out the nineties comment. So Carmen, I'm, I'm right there with you as far as going back to, you know, so I had a, um, I had a wholesale business in the nineties and I was a total disaster train wreck. My accountant said I was the biggest disaster that she had ever encountered. And so running out of options, running out of ideas, how to keep a business afloat, this little e-commerce thing came along 1995 and so that that began my journey. So uh, with e-commerce, so that I'm not a young guy, of, of, of course, that was 27 years ago. So, uh, you know, I had an e-commerce business, built it up and then um, I was blessed, fortunate, sold it. And since that time, I've been working with manufacturers, trying to figure out this whole little e-commerce thing and trying to make that digital transformation. And as you said, you know, a lot of manufacturers, you know, uh, God bless them in the past, they haven't needed that digital transformation or e-commerce. COVID really sped things up. And so that's the drum that I'm beating right now is just really trying to uh, hit the masses and trying to help manufacturers make that that digital transformation with e-commerce um, just to be more competitive, you know. As someone who was building websites in 1994, I, I'd love to spend the rest of this show diving into exactly what the hell you used to build an e-com store in the 90s, because the technology was not what it is today, that's for sure. But that's not really why we're here. <laughs> uh, what's funny, Jeff, so just yesterday, so we, so in, the, in 2008, we were trying to, you know, social media was kind of brand new, YouTube and Twitter were just, you know, so relatively fresh. We started like a little... Uh, in my e-com business, we started like a little social networking site. I completely forgot about it. And somebody just texted me a couple of screenshots from 2007, 2008 of this little social media site that we were trying to create. And it was just absolutely hysterical on how, you know, it looks prehistoric now. And that was only 2008, let alone what was going in 1994, right? So yeah, we could totally geek out on that. Yeah, this is where Carbon brings up the Ning site he built. Dreamweaver <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think we, maybe we were, we were using DOS and who knows what else, right? So. I think I was still uh, kind of in denial. I was trying not to uh, like even like turn on a computer or something at that stage. That's right. Like maybe I can maybe I can get through life without it. Or I don't know what it was. Uh, I was not an early uh, adopter like you two. It seems. I tell you, when you look at what you guys are doing now, your podcast, you guys have uh, Carmen. You're doing a great job being a pioneer and a leader. Uh, on this content drive. So my hat's off. Well, that's because of that Ning site, my friend. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Look, let's jump in. I mean, let's, uh, uh, my understanding, Kurt, is that a lot of the, the manufacturers you work with maybe tend to be a bit more on the on the smaller to mid-size kind of range of, of, of the, in, in the manufacturing spectrum. And of course, actually, you know, often that's the category that is a little more willing to take a risk or two and may not have as much, uh, um, uh, I guess, things holding them back in the past. Um, are you saying, you mentioned uh, the pandemic kind of speeding things up. I, I guess, are you seeing a demonstrable shift in interest surrounding uh, uh, B2B manufacturing e-commerce at this stage? Like what, what are you kind of, 
and I, hey, it's almost like the reporter question. It's like, what are you seeing out there? <laughs> oh, great question, Carmen. And so the thing is, you know, so I've been beating this drum for a long time. So, and you're hitting it right on the head. The smaller manufacturers that were more agile or maybe more adaptive to new technologies, new opportunities, they would, uh, they were embracing in e-commerce prior to COVID. When COVID hit, obviously, uh, manufacturers, you know, trade shows vanished. Uh, sales reps couldn't go on the road. They were no longer welcome to visit customers. And so now e-commerce became, it was no longer a nice to have, it was a must to have. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, so for those manufacturers like, hey, this is how we've always done it. Or, you know, as you guys were describing earlier, you know, hey, we, uh, we make really complicated B2B parts. And so, you know, we're not Amazon and we're not selling consumer goods. So this really isn't a good fit, man. It's really, I would love folks to kind of just, you know, get away from that myth or that, that mindset where e-commerce really, uh, is so critical to their strategy. Uh, you know, you guys do a great job. You know, I've caught a number of your, your uh, guests on your on your show. You do an amazing job bringing on people with content strategy. Your gentleman recently, uh, Ross uh, Simmons, you guys were talking about like pay-per-click ads are going for like, you know, 50 bucks a click. You know, my goodness, you know, like I'm so Jeff, I've been doing this for so long. I, you know, instead of saying like, hey, I remember when milk was like a, a 50 cents. I remember when clicks were like a nickel. How's that? You know, I remember when clicks, you know, 20 years ago were like, you know, five or 10 cents. Now you guys on your podcast with Ross, you're talking about how they're $50 a click with e-commerce. Now that can create your SEO strategy by niching down and going after those specific, uh, you know, those parts and processes that these manufacturers, uh, you know, manufacture every day. I think that's a, a bit of a, uh, some hidden gold, if you will, in the in the rock pile for manufacturers is that you know, a lot of the categories that have seen those dramatically increasing uh, PPC bids, et cetera, are, are a bit more in the consumer. Like if you're going to find a cheap uh, golden uh, keyword in PPC, it's a lot more likely to happen in a very niche B2B manufacturing category than it is in like, uh, if you're selling footwear, <laughs> like good luck. But uh, you know, that opportunity, I think, uh, kind of still exists because, you know, from B2B manufacturers are often selling things that if you're not in this very small space, you're not at all searching for, the, you know, you're just not using the terminology. Could be a part number it could be anything and the lovely thing about that too is that you can create this really beautiful seamless ppc ad to landing page to purchase all in one shot if you you know you kind of build those pages properly and and provide the appropriate proof that'll make people decide to buy i've got to say jeff i mean you said beautiful in that sentence as though you were like like looking out at a vast gorgeous sunset you know and a beach or something like if you, if you met it are you like this is like the like the, this only a marketer could really. <laughs> it's so closed loop. It's amazing. Good <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is a marketing podcast, not a dating podcast. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. but then again, that ship sails. It's not like we're looking to date. But how how are you? You talked about niching down and, and anybody that knows us knows we love niches and we love talking about the riches and the niches and, and all that. What are you doing specifically with manufacturers to help them kind of find those niches and really exploit them from an e-com perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I, I'm right there with you, Jeff, you know, due to on the exact same page. I call it, you know, hey, guys, we need to niche down till it hurts, you know. 
And so you guys work with manufacturers, B2B space. And so say there's a manufacturer, they do, I bend metal, I cut steel, I do uh, CNC machining, circuit boards, 3D printing. Well, those keywords are so broad. You know, they're like, hey, I want to come up on first page for CNC. I'm like, dude, you have a better chance of seeing me with hair. It's not going to happen. I know this is a podcast, so just uh, I have no hair, right? So I'm like, you know, it's just, it, it, you know, on those real broad terms. But when you talk to that manufacturer long enough, I'm like, okay, you do CNC. Who do you do it for? Well, we could do it for anybody. I hear you, but how, you know, who do you do it for? Well, you know, you talk to them long enough and I have a perfect example. There's a manufacturer I'm talking with in, in Indiana. They're like, well, we do CNC parts. We do CNC parts in aerospace. We do CNC spark parts for turbine engines on Tuesdays, you know? So like now they've niched it down. Now they've created like that keyword. And so now all of a sudden, you know, now manufacturers are reaching out and they're saying, Hey, I think I make a ton of these parts for this one client and it's not proprietary. I'm not violating anything. It's not like they're drawing, but I make these parts and we do really well at this part. I'm like, all right, let's go and look at some of your, let's look at some searches. We look at those searches and like you're saying, Jeff, like I call it Google 2005. If we, you know, uh, Carmen, like you were saying, if we did a search for shoes, it's just like pictures, images, videos, you're never going to come up on that first page of Google. But when you're looking at that very specific part, and boy, that engineer at Boeing is absolutely going to type, I need that part. I need this part number. I need this certification. Or I need something very specific. I call it 2005 Google, where you have a great chance. And I and I do these exercises where like, I do these things where like, we can get them on, uh, it's so unique and it's so niche and so long tail using, you know, our SEO term that, you know, a lot of times we have experiments where like, they'll be on first page within like days or a week. Now, again, there's not a ton of traffic, but they're looking for that one golden opportunity with that engineer or somebody in procurement that today they come into work and like, man, I need that such and such part on that turbine engine. Where do I find it? And now that client's coming up. As you said, Carmen, the costs are much cheaper. If they go the pay-per-click route, they can get in the game immediately. But from an SEO standpoint, or if they do a video, throw it up on YouTube, get their keyword in the headline. We could geek out on you know more detailed strategies. But with e-commerce, now you have landing pages that are driven towards that product specific. That can be your SEO strategy. So it's it's just very powerful tackling e-commerce for custom manufacturers. A lot of this, we, you know, you, you talk about the, you know, just how specific it can get, you know, with that particular part or that particular certification or whatever. I mean, I think back to the episode we had with Cynthia Kellum from TE Connectivity a couple of years ago and her entire like reason to be at that point um, was to standardize the quality of the data that they had on their products, especially as they were used in their e-commerce platform and their e-com store. And just the massive lift in traffic it brings to own that part number, you know, as a keyword, it may be a generic part number that you can buy from any number of manufacturers, but if you're the one who is thinking ahead enough and there still are opportunities to be, you know, a, a pioneer in your very specific niche that there aren't necessarily in, in larger, you know, more competitive e-commerce situations. Yeah, that's a great example. And so, and for a shameless plug, we do, a, I do a LinkedIn live show two days a week. It's called manufacturing e-commerce success. We just had a guest on Friday where a manufacturer in Ohio, they had over a million SKUs, a million SKUs. And what they did is they lined with an e-commerce firm called Cadenas Part Solutions out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And that what they did is they took those million SKUs, they put it down to 300,000. 
70% cut down on, on waste. They just had, they had so many parts and so many SKUs that were just either legacy parts or they just didn't really, they didn't exist anymore or, didn't, you know, just weren't re relevant. So by them going, and it was just like, you know, they have 40 different locations and it was just really hard managing everything. Now, just even internally, the benefit there of what that brought to the table for these guys. So again, it's just, it's really, it's, it's just endless the amount of opportunities that e-commerce can offer, not just internally, or I'm sorry, not just externally, but what it can also do internally for those companies. Again, you guys do an, a, great, a great job with uh, content creation, inbound marketing. You know, when you get in e-commerce, that, that just opens up the floodgates of content opportunity, whether product videos, product descriptions, what is this part? What is this product? How does it work? so on and so forth. And that's where your superpowers come into play. And it's just, a, it's a great marriage. Yeah. I want to kind of, recently, I think, uh, just Jeff, you mentioned the competitive kind of dynamics and some of these search strategies. And I think that kind of sometimes oddly gets lost when we just kind of look at the bright, shiny light of low cost clicks. Right. Um, but, but the fact is, I mean, you know, the, the value of these clicks is way higher than you're having to pay. I mean, we're often talking about, you know, a, a paid search uh, conversion that could lead to a lifetime value of customer in, into the millions. Uh, so, you know, frankly, if you had to pay 100000 for the click, you probably would if you were, you know, if you could guarantee getting it all the way through the line. But And, and I guess that is the kind of the secret charm in it is that not only is it lower cost, but for B2B manufacturers who want to explore these strategies, it's also lower competition. The chance, and especially for the smaller or mid-sized manufacturers in, uh, say, legacy categories where maybe some of the competitors are, like if you look around and all of your competitors are 60-year-old family business manufacturers, I can pretty much guarantee you that whatever category you're in, if you were to employ the strategies we're talking about, you'd be leapfrogging most of the competition who just aren't there and aren't thinking that way. Um, and I think all across North America and frankly, probably uh, globally, you know, this is a, this is the reality. I mean, th those opportunities exist for those manufacturers. Fantastic point, Carmen. I agree 100%. And another thing that we're just, I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear your, your feedback on this from your perspective is, you know, constant, we're constantly hearing like a little bit of a disconnect where the manufacturer is so focused on their solution, the preparatory process, that they're not thinking about the problem. And so I was running through a quick little example. I don't know, you guys, are you guys coffee drinkers? I don't know. It's, I know it's uh, mid morning. You're, you guys have your cup of coffee. You know, that little piece of cardboard that goes around that little coffee cup you've probably touched a million times in your lifetime, right? Do you guys know the name of that little cardboard thingy that goes around a, a coffee cup? Like a coffee sleeve, you mean? It's, uh, do you guys, do you know the name of it? Do you guys, are you... the brand name or the, the product name? No, I, I don't know that I do. Sort of thing. So here's a product you've probably touched, whether you've driven through, you know, Canada, probably Tim Hortons or Starbucks or whatever your favorite coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, wherever you're listening to this, you've probably touched that coffee, little cardboard thing a million times. Nobody knows the name of it. You know, it's, it's called a Zarf, Z-A-R-F. The guy that founded it in, two, in 1991, man, I wish I was that guy. He probably made a bazillion dollars, maybe just, you know, fractions of a penny on every single little piece of cardboard. He called it the Java Jacket. So like Carmen, like you said, well, it's a, it's a sleeve, a coffee sleeve, the cardboard thingy, you know, whatever. So the example I give to manufacturers internally, are we saying to ourselves, man, guys, this thing is a Zarf. I know the whole world calls this a Zarf. No, they call it the Java jacket. We're like here, nobody uses Java jacket. Nobody knows that it's a Zarf. So again, the consumer, if they wanted to buy these things, what are they typing? 
They're typing, I don't want to burn my fingers today. What's that cardboard thingy that goes around a coffee cup, right? That's a pretty long keyword right there, right? But the thing is, so the concept, I'm constantly challenged and I can't tell you how many light bulbs go off with manufacturers. They're like, oh my goodness, we do forging. We do 3D printing. They're not thinking 3D printing. They're thinking, I need a part that goes in this engine. I need, this is my problem. This is what I'm typing. So I'm trying to help. And, that, and again, that's what e-commerce does for these folks is we can marry that that combination. So take the problem and combine it with a solution. And that's going to help the manufacturer exactly as you're describing, Carmen. And those niche keywords are just, I mean, it's just so much opportunity in those keywords. You know, I, 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 I would think that's a, I would say to you, I think that's a fair point that um, the more sophisticated marketers that you encounter in this space will have made the shift around thinking even around their product development uh work or what have you is like problems to solve and, and so that is a, a common um or not common but that 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 the more sophisticated marketers will get there and they're thinking about it through the lens of problems to solve um whereas uh, the folks that maybe are um, needing uh, more help uh, tend to get they stop at that process level. Um, I think that's a, that's an interesting observation. They often like kind of they want to tell the world about their their process, um, which inevitably is not proprietary in any way. Um, and, and even if it is, it's not proprietary in a way that is meaningful or relevant to the end customer in a way that they <laughs> will cause purchase preference to emerge. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's kind of, it's fun and it's fascinating seeing like the epiphany of like, oh my goodness, we're so stuck on, you know, CNC machine, uh, CNC machine, you know, this, I have this CNC machine where, you know, does, does the, does your ideal customer even know that that machine exists, let alone that they're Googling that machine. They're not looking for the machine. They're looking for the process. Like right now, like I'm like, you guys have wonderful backgrounds. I know we're on, we're on audio, but you guys have wonderful backgrounds. I have this plain boring wall. It's a famous line of like, when I go to the hardware store, if I want to hang something on my wall behind me, my problem is I need a hole. The solution is I'm going to the, the store to buy a drill, you know? And so the thing is for manufacturers, we're like, well, it's CNC machining. It's I bend metal. It's like, no, I'm taking this part and I'm putting it in an automobile. I'm taking a part and I'm built, you know, we're helping build a, I'm still going to steel manufacturer and they sell parts for bridges. You know, so we're like, we have to get inside the mind of the engineer. And Cameron, you're making a fantastic point. The sophisticated marketer, that's what they do. That's what they're paid for. That's what you guys do. For these small manufacturers that have 20, 30 employees, like they, they're putting out fires all day, every day. They're their own HR department one minute, their own finance department. The last thing, you know, like they're not marketers at heart. This is out of their comfort zone. So again, they're still so caught in their process, you know. So anyway, I, I love, that was a great point that you made. Well, I think what's really what's really great about that, you know, you talk about how these small manufacturers that are doing metalwork and plastic and thermal forming and all of those kinds of things that are, you know, contract manufacturing. You're right; they're they're putting out fires all day, every day, and meanwhile, they have this, you know, warehouse full of parts that they've made that they're waiting for somebody to call an order and it's way easier for them to produce those things over and over again at good margin and just have a pipeline of customers coming to them you know than constantly fighting that custom order fire that they're probably doing through the week so it, it even has the potential to allow them to pivot their operations to be more effective and to make the things that are actually going to make them money um 
but I, I think the one, you know, the, the, where, where this starts to get more complex is when you get into products that are not just off the shelf, you know, very customizable, that type of thing. You feel that those should be able to be sold through e-com as well. How do, how do you help people approach that? Yeah. Phenomenal question, Jeff. Thank you. The, um, two, two ways. So number one, I I'm, you know, everybody, you know, you're familiar with like the, the Pareto principle, right? The 80, 20 rule. And so, you know, 20% of your products, 20% of your sales, 20% of your profits typically come from, uh, I'm sorry, 80% comes from your 20%. I said that backwards, right? 80% of your profit sales typically come from the 20%. Would I encourage, welcome, invite those custom contract manufacturers focus on what you're best at? Focus on that 20% and right in there, like, you know, Carmen, like you're saying, like, you know, those are like those golden nuggets. Those are your preparatory processes. So though you don't have a preparatory product per se or a finished good, you have preparatory processes that maybe you've been doing it for generations. You know, grandma and grandpa did it, you know, 50, 60 years ago or whatever that looks like. And so you own that process. You have such, you have economies of scale, you have a competitive advantage. And when you look at those processes that you do, that's the opportunity and constantly when you talk to that manufacturer like oh well we do have some standard parts we do have some standard uh you know uh units that we'll keep in stock or that i'm like bam okay that's your e-commerce opportunity we have sheets of metal uh, a gentleman reached out to me he was like you know we make these little parts for specific um you know pieces of machinery that all these other contract manufacturers use and they constantly break down we can whip those out and put those on the shelf like okay bam there's an e-commerce opportunity that's your potential SEO and keyword strategy right there. And now, and what that does is that that it is great lead flow. So instead of somebody, you know, if uh, if I go after CNC machining and somebody comes at me from aerospace and I've never done anything with air, in aerospace and I need an ITAR certificate or I need this, you know, how many of us have received, you know, really bad leads? And then either A, we wasted their time, wasted our time, and we even like took it the next uh, step further. We tried bidding on something that we know, know nothing about, and then we completely underbid it. Now we're upside down. Now we can't deliver the product. So again, like, like you were saying, Jeff, you know, the, the magic is like when you niche down and you stay in your lane, now you can just like really, that's where the magic and the excitement happens. You can really propel it. And then, you know, we talked a little bit before, and I want to be mindful of time, you know, we talked about configurators. And, you know, any manufacturer out there, gosh, I'm just such a huge raving fan of configurators. There are tons of solutions out there. I'm having a tough time finding a manufacturer that that where a configurator isn't uh, isn't applicable. And basically, you're just you're letting a customer come on your site and start to create that product. And what you're doing is you're providing that digital self-serve 24 hour, seven day a week service to your customers that not only do they deserve, they now expect it because that's what they're receiving on the, on the consumer side. And now as consumers, they expect it on the B2B side. I'm gonna, uh, so I don't know how, the extent to which you'll agree or disagree with this, but I'm curious, it, it seems to me that an awful lot of folks as they start to dip their toe into the e-commerce waters um, uh, on the manufacturing side of things, they'll often especially on digital self-service initiatives, they'll look at the area of the business that they kind of, that costs them a lot to get, maybe it's more transactional. We were kind of knocking on the door of that when we talk about standard parts that they keep in in stock. So therefore there's the e-commerce opportunity to kind of bolt on an e-com e store in front of that standard uh, skew. 
I guess, is that what you normally see is like people trying to look at that, you know, in some ways almost decrease the transaction cost by, introdu by, by introducing the e-com layer? I, I guess to lead the witness a little bit, the contrast I would make is somebody taking an e-commerce initiative to say, we're going to we're, we're going to transform the buying process of our absolute best customers, the biggest ones the highest LTV customers. It seems to me that almost no manufacturer starts there. They start with where they think the risk is lower, which is over in the low LTV side. Does that make sense? Phenomenal thought process. I love that, Carmen. And so, you know, again, hopefully I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take your lead. I, I love that line leading the witness. That was, that was a good one. So, uh, hopefully i'll take your lead so yes what are you what are you most successful with like let, let's just keep it simple right kiss keep it super simple just what do you you know what are your superpowers what are you absolute best at where do you just crush it consistently over and over that sweet spot as a manufacturer you know why i love e-commerce is you know here here's a, a scenario manufacturer like you're saying jeff they, they have a website maybe it's a wordpress website or whatever it looks like and it's been sitting around for years and you know hasn't been a top priority if they if they want to tip their tone e-commerce, they could take a half a dozen, a dozen of those SKUs. They could put some of those products, uh, you know, on an e-com on a WooCommerce site. But it's just such a low risk strategy to try. It's almost it's almost, and I don't mean to be frivolous, but it's almost like senseless not to try it. There's like e-commerce is such a low cost opportunity. And if your worst case scenario, it fails, it didn't work, then you're out of web page and you're out whatever you, you know, you drove some traffic with pay-per-click ads or, or what have you. So if I'm found you correctly, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. Take those SKUs, put them on the website and run with it. Yeah. And like spinning up a Shopify store or what have you, and kind of a standard theme and running with it. I mean, I think that's where a lot of smaller manufacturers in particular would, would dip their toe. Um, I guess where I'm kind of trying to push, I think. Yeah if I have an opinion on this is, I think the real win is when somebody has the courage to reinvent the business for the high LTV customers. When they say, you know what, we're gonna change the way this category actually buys. Um, it, we're not, it's not about the annoying people down at our, like the ankle biters that we don't really wanna have, but we'll figure a way to service them with e-commerce and they can buy our stuff online. But I'm more curious, like, especially for those smaller and mid-sized manufacturers who can move maybe a little bit faster than the big giants. It seems to me that that's, I mean, it's not, there's not a playbook for it. This is where we're talking about uh, things that are a little bit more uh, complex, but I, it feels to me that that's where the real gold is. I'll give you two quick examples. So, uh, manufacturer does uh uh we're working with and so you know like and you mentioned shopify so for any of your clients out there or you know your listeners out there thinking like hey this e-commerce thing you know if you got woocommerce shopify is great direct to consumer you know big commerce is fantastic for the b2b you know uh, manufacturer space then you get heavy more heavy duty magento slash you know now they were purchased by adobe so that's a great route to go so depending on budget so for the customer uh so we're work we have a real nice juicy project we're working with a, a a dust collector manufacturer so when you go by uh, a big manufacturer and you out, outside they have like these massive you know they they're huge six-figure you know dust collecting units 
they're going full blown e-commerce with Magento. They're, they're going to do a configurator. So that's, if I'm found you correctly, Carmen, like that's a perfect example. I have another client, they're going full blown. Uh, they are a manufacturer of covert antennas. So they target like the FBI, military, uh, you know, the uh, uh, med emergency uh, services uh, industry. And they've been around since the 60s. They're going full blown e-commerce. You know, we've talked a bit about, about configurators. We've talked about kind of the low hanging fruit and um, the rapidity that you can have for deployment of, of a quick and easy solution to trial something. But what, you know, what uh, what's next, do you think? Like where where are... Um, where are you most excited to look for opportunity in e-com for manufacturers? Yeah, great question, Jeff. So uh, for for your listeners, your uh, friends in the States, there's a, an agency called the Manufacturing Extension Partnerships. It's the MEPs, and that's where uh, federal dollars are filtered through the Department of Commerce to manufacturers. There's an MEP in all 50 states. And so I've honored, blessed, I work with a lot of uh, number of MEPs. And so if any of your listeners out there that are trying to make this digital transformation, strongly encourage, welcome, invite you to reach out to your local manufacturing extension partnership. They are doing a ton of initiatives helping manufacturers with that digital transformation. And so there's there's uh, there's federal uh, in many cases, there are grant funds, there are federal dollars available to assist with manufacturers uh, taking this risk, taking this chance. If you reach out to your local MEP, there is I'm not guaranteeing it. There's a possibility that they could help you with that transformation. And what they do is they would align themselves with experts like Jeff and Carmen and help you with that transformation. So I think I think the floodgates are open. Uh, I do a ton of webinars, workshops, trainings. I do work um, with like different universities, these MEPs, and that's our mission and our passion is trying to, we want to educate the manufacturers on these opportunities on why inbound marketing is so important, why, how these configurators work, how uh, to, you know, provide that digital self-service experience that your engineers, your procurement folks expect and deserve. You know, and I'll wrap up on this, Jeff. You know, I think uh, Gartner came out with a, uh, a, a study this year. It came out in June. The number one complaint of B2B buyers, the number one complaint of B2B buyers is not enough information on your website. Align yourself with companies that are dedicated to helping manufacturers. And the big thing is what I know about you guys, a lot of manufacturers, will re they reach out to a local marketing firm that is helping like maybe uh retail and service sectors and they just don't understand they don't speak manufacturing they don't understand that b2b side the way you guys do and so i really if you're a manufacturer out there do your due diligence i really encourage you number one get off the sidelines get in the game man just get on you you know we're hockey fans here get on the ice get on the playing field get into the e-commerce or digital game find and you're not alone you're absolutely not alone. Align yourself with guides and resources, uh, trusted guides like these, you know, listen to the podcast, listen to the episodes and just educate yourself. And you guys, man, you're going to go out there and just crush it. There's so much opportunity for manufacturers. I'm just thrilled of what the future holds. That's a uh, really good advice, but I think particularly for the smaller folks uh, to, um, to be eyes wide open to those uh, opportunities to uh, to spread the risk a little bit with a program uh, through MEP or what have you. I think that's, uh, that's great advice. And uh, 
thank you for uh, coming on the show today, Kurt. It's been a pleasure to have you. My honor, guys. And and uh, again, I'm going to have I I have a LinkedIn live show. I need to have you guys on, and and so just just an honor connecting with both of you. I love what you guys do for the manufacturing community. Keep it up, and uh, thank you for what you guys do. Oh, thank you. We'll certainly uh, link that up in the transcript of the show too. Um, thanks again, Kurt. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.